Welcome to the Modeling Confidence Podcast. My name is Brooke Lindsay and I'm a confidence coach dedicated to supporting women in practicing self-love, reclaiming their confidence and accepting their bodies. What started out as just some body positive posts on Instagram has turned into a passion for empowering women and amplifying their voices. This podcast will challenge society's definition of self-worth and encourage progress, not perfection. You're listening to the Modeling Confidence Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Modeling Confidence Podcast. I'm Brooke Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. You may have noticed the new intro, which I'm super excited about. I wanted to jazz it up a little bit and make it a bit more me, a bit more fun. And I just love the music. And I wanted to let you guys know a bit more about what this platform is all about. It's all about supporting women and also amplifying their voices. And so that perfectly ties into today's podcast. I I wanted to start out by saying that I know times have been really crazy lately and it's a really confusing time to be alive with everything that's going on in the world. You know, even just turning on the news can make us feel really uncertain about the future and what's going on. So I hope that you are just remembering to check in with yourself, take care of you, and I'm sending you lots of love. Now, today's podcast guest is Tash Nube, who is a beautiful soul and black model based in New York. Tash is a fellow Bella model, and I reached out to Tash after seeing a video that she was featured in uh, by Bella on Instagram, which you can head over to their page and check it out, bringing awareness to Black Lives Matter and starting a discussion on diversity. So I wanted to continue the conversation over here on the podcast because I think it's something super important that we need to continue discussing, talking about. And so I'm so blessed to have Tash on and have her on to chat about her experiences Uh, within the modeling industry and when it comes to body image as well as racial diversity. In particular, the lack of diversity in a lot of aspects in the Australian media and lack of representation of our Indigenous Australians. So we talk about tokenism, we talk about racism, we talk about Tasha's heritage and culture, which was really, really interesting. And we talk about how to, how we can all support our black community and Tash gives a lot of her own insight. We also talk about confidence and building your confidence. And if you want to get into the modeling industry, Tash talks about that too. So I'm so excited. I'm just going to dive straight in. I hope you enjoy this beautiful chat with Tash. Welcome Tash. (laughs) Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. How has your day been? Um, so far, so good. Um, it was pretty productive. I did a lot of stuff in the morning um, and I've just been chilling up until this point. So it's been a, a good Friday. Amazing. A Friday. Yeah. We love Fridays. Yes. Tash, for those who maybe don't know you, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your story? Yeah. Um, so I was born in Zimbabwe. Um, then I moved over to Australia when I was about three or four. Um, and 
I was really passionate about modeling since I was really young. I, I like, the other day actually I was going through my phone and I found some photos of me at like 10 years old, like doing some poses. Oh <laughs> so, my God. <laughs> it was so classic. So I've always really been interested um, in fashion and modeling and all that. Um, and it wasn't until about 15 that I actually had the chance to get involved in the industry. Um, so I won my first beauty pageant and then I was like, you know what, girl, you got this. Like, you, this yeah. might be for you. Yeah. <laughs> so... From there, that kind of just like, things just kept going and going. Um, I signed with an agency, BGM, they're not around anymore, but they were my um, first agents. Um, and then from there, um, I signed with agencies in um, Canada, London, and then now New York. So I'm living in New York at the moment. Wow. How exciting too, because I know we were chatting the other day and you were saying that you grew up in Australia in like rural town. With, I think at one point you said there was 2,000 people. Where were you living there? Yes. Oh, my gosh. This tiny, tiny town called Middleman, like literally in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Took like seven, eight hours to get to Brisbane, three hours to get to Mackay. So go like literally in the middle of nowhere. So yeah. it was really tough growing up there because as you can imagine, mm. such a small town, there's not that much diversity. Mm. Um, so that was kind of tough, like settling in. You know, for a long time, we were the only black family as well. So... It was just, yeah, it was, a, I can't say it was a bad experience, but it was kind of rough, you know, yeah. um, just visibly being the odd ones out in the whole town, just sticking out like a sore thumb, you know. Yeah, and I can imagine not feeling like there's anyone like you around. What, what, yeah. was, what was that like growing up as, you know, a young girl? I feel like now that I look back, I think it really affected me. At the time, I didn't really think too much of it. You know, you're a young kid. You're just yeah. doing what kids do. Yeah. Um, but especially as I grew up, because my whole growing up, like up until I graduated high school, we lived in relatively small towns. Um, yeah. And I, I think growing up without seeing people that look like me in real life and then also not seeing people that look like me on TV, you know, you mm -hmm. flick on TV after school, you're not seeing anyone that looks like you. That kind of did a lot for my self-confidence, you know. And... Yeah. I look back and there'll be times where um, we'd all be at the pool after school and I'll just be in the shade because I'm like, I don't want to get any darker. I'm already the darkest one here. You know, I already feel like the odd one out. So things like that. Yeah. Um, at the time, I just thought that was regular. But now looking back, I'm like, wait, why Why did I have to do that? Yeah, but it's just like conditioning. And, you know, you want to be, you want to fit in with your friends. And I even remember when I was like 13, I have the most coarse kinky African hair ever, like you could imagine. It is so yeah. stubborn. Yeah. And so I wanted to get um, a front fringe because I think I saw either, was it Rihanna or Jessica Malboy with a front fringe? I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. I need to get that. Yes. And so I got it, but my hair is so kinky and coarse that it was like literally sticking out like a hat. And looking oh. back, I'm like cringing so hard. But at the time, <laughs> it's like, you know, I wanted to do certain things to fit in, but my hair and just the texture of it wouldn't allow me to. And just looking yeah. back at that, it's like, you know, I was trying so hard um, to fit in, to fit in and, and to yeah. be like everyone else. And it just wasn't working for me, but I still kept trying. Yeah, yeah, I can't even imagine. And then going from, you know, small town where you're living, where there's 2,000 people to now being in New York, um, mm -hmm. I can imagine, like, the comparison is just, like, night and day. <laughs> Literally. Like, yeah. I remember when I came here, I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Like, this is just, like, you're seeing people... Um, that looked like me on the streets, that was something, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and then even just seeing them in TV and advertising, um, going into uh, a chemist and being able to buy makeup for my skin, being able to buy products for my hair, like, that was literally, I felt like 
it was so amazing. Like my eyes were just so wide open, like, wow, is this real? Yeah, yeah. And I can imagine like it was the same when you moved because you said you moved to Sydney and you were living there for a while. Was that the same or is it completely different to New York? Do you feel like Sydney is still not where it should be? Um, I'll definitely say Sydney is a lot better than um, the smaller towns I lived in. Yeah. Um, and in terms of just like seeing people that look like me, that it was um, more common in Sydney. Yeah. Um, but I think in terms of just representation, um, in terms of like, you know, Sydney's kind of the hub of Australia. I'd say Sydney's Australia is like LA, Australia is kind of Hollywood. That's where a lot of things happen, yeah. you know, with modeling, with fashion, with For entertainment. Sure. And, you know, going to castings and not really seeing much diversity, um, that was kind of frustrating. Mm. And, but I do think, I do, I would give, give the city credit that it is trying, especially with fashion, um, but it's definitely not to the caliber of New York. Yeah, I remember you saying the other day, and I would love to know when you first moved to Sydney and you were trying to break into the modelling industry and you talk about that lack of diversity in, I think we see all aspects, um, you know, in Australian media, there's no real diversity when it comes to body image and there's no real diversity when it comes to representation of people of colour and Australian Indigenous people as well. What's your experience with that? And what are your thoughts on the, the lack of representation, I think, in the media in general, but especially in Australia? Um, I think it's just it's just not good enough, you know? Mm. And the thing is with Australia, if you walk down a metropolitan street in Melbourne, Sydney, Perth, you're going to see a whole range of different people, exactly. you know? And it's just disappointing that that's not represented in the media because we are such a multicultural um, country and that's what makes Australia, Australia. And I think, you know, we've just got to step up the game when it comes to showing real life um, situations on the TV, in magazines, in print. And I think for me too, something that um, I really think needs to improve is just indigenous representation. Mm. You know, like they are the custodians of the land and we don't see them enough in, you know, in advertising, in media. And that's a voice that I want to push to be heard. I want to hear Indigenous voices. I want to see Indigenous artists. I want to see, you know, Indigenous people having spaces to create and be part of, you know, creations. Yeah, being a part of the conversation, absolutely. Yeah. When it comes to, you know, not only the modelling industry, but just seeing more representation in the media in general. And I think tokenism in the industry is so real. And I think it's so sad that, companies can think that if they ha- if they have a campaign they can just you know have you know a little bit of diversity here and or just the one token person whether it comes to race or you know ethnicity or color or whatever it may be or you know even body image where it's just like one curvy girl yeah and exactly and my point is and let's just take away the um brands doing it from the goodness of their heart let's just mm-hmm. take that part away from it but just from a economical and financial standpoint as a business you're missing out on such a huge market like for example for me when i was living in oz i used um i used to buy a lot of my clothes from uk um european and us brands because i saw people that look like me i saw people that had body types like me and so i could relate like okay so it looks like that on her she's got a similar figure to me it's gonna look like this on me but then when i was shopping in australia i wasn't seeing that type of representation so i was like i don't know what it looks like i can't relate to a skinny white female you know so what she's wearing like what's on her may not look the same on me so I'm taking my dollars elsewhere and like just on that argument alone it's like come on people like let's wake up like you're literally 
damaging your brands because people are going to look um, out outside of you, you know, outside of your brand. Yeah, you're right. There's definitely so much money that companies are losing because they're not showing that representation. So that's mm-hmm. a really good point as well. I'd love to know, have you experienced tokenism in the modeling industry? Yes, definitely. Like, and it's so obvious to me because in a lot of um, jobs, and especially happens in campaigns, um, the bigger jobs that I do, um, I'll be the two for one. You know, you got the curvy girl and you got the black girl. So then I'll be the only curvy girl and the only black girl on set. And I just think that's not good enough. You know, there's so many variations of curvy women. Um, there's so many variations of black women. You know, it's not enough to just have one that ticks two boxes and think that you've done a great job and now you're a pioneer in diversity. Exactly right. Exactly right. I love that you said that. And, you know, we see women not being represented, you know, when you're a model, some models like they are made to wear fat suits or things that make Mm -hmm. them different from who they are. And it's just like, why not just hire the model? Exactly. Exactly. So I think there's a lot of issues that, you know, that need to be addressed. And I'm glad that we can really, and that I can have you on and that we can chat about this and bring more awareness. What were your experiences been when it comes to your your body and the modeling industry and just life in general? Because I love would love to share your story on how, you know, you've become more confident in your skin and who you are as a woman and what you would share with listeners who are potentially struggling with, you know, how they look. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if I'm being honest, growing up, I don't think I had the best uh, body confidence at all. And naturally, I'm just, you know, bigger. Um, I could try to exercise as much as I want, eat as healthy as as I can, but it's it's only a certain size that I can get to. And so I think growing up with that and feeling so uncomfortable in my own body, um, I think that's kind of what motivates me now more than ever to speak up on body confidence and loving yourself because I know what it's like to, to not have that confidence. And I think a lot of the feelings that I had about my body um, came from Eurocentric beauty standards, you know, to be stick thin, tall, you know, have clothes fitting a certain way. Yeah. And um, that's why, and for me, modeling, like as much as I wanted to be a model, it just didn't really seem like an option because I didn't have the uh, Eurocentric standards of beauty. You know, I was, I had the tall part, but everything else I didn't have, I didn't have down. So I feel you um, on that, don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, so it was really tough and I really wanted to model, but I didn't know there wasn't, at that time, um, I'm sure you can remember this about maybe like seven, eight years ago, there wasn't even um, that many plus models in Australia. I didn't even really know what plus modeling was. I thought you had to be super skinny. to be a model. So yeah, in high school, um, that's when I really started researching more and I started getting more interested, you know, you're finishing school. So I'm like, I really want to be a model after school. That's what I want to do. So um, I started going all over the web, all over Instagram, and I was seeing a lot of um, curve models. But what I was seeing is they were all in the US. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what's happening in Australia? I did more research and I was able to find my first agency, um, BGM. But at that time, like now I'm a lot bigger than I was when I was 16, 17. So at that time, even though I was bigger than my peers, um, I still wasn't big enough to be considered a plus model. So I was like in this really weird frame where I thought I was a plus model because I thought I was, you know, big enough. But then in the industry, it's like, oh, you're not 
big enough, you need to add a little bit of weight. So that was a very like awkward moment for me. Um, but luckily after high school, I took a break. I went to Canada for almost a year on exchange. And so when I came back, I just put on weight naturally from just eating and, yeah. you know, traveling and all that. Okay. So when I came back, I was finally considered a plus model, um, which was good. <laughs> so I could like, I could start working. I was going to say, isn't that crazy though, that, you know, you're either told to lose weight or put on weight. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I, and at that time, I thought I was, and you know, before, um, when I finished high school, I went for schoolies, I went on a cruise with friends. Mm-hmm. And so I'd come back and I had a photo shoot. So I made sure the whole cruise that I wasn't eating anything bad. So for a whole week, I was only eating salads and fruits. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have my first like test shoot. I have to be looking good. And so I took the photos for the test shoot, but I was looking, that I looked really small. And my agents were like, oh, like you're, too small and I'm like but I thought that's what modeling was like I don't yeah. really know what's going on like I was eating healthy and like to look good for the shoot but then I'm told I'm too small yeah. and then yeah, it's just it's just very weird because they, at that time I think now it's better there is more in-betweens but yeah. then it's either you were straight or you were fully curved like there was no middle ground um and so but I do think that allowance that I had to put on weight or whatever like that allowed me when I was in Canada to be more free with how I ate and what I did and not be so conscious of oh my gosh I have to only eat a salad or I could only eat this and that and I think that's one thing that I will say I do appreciate about the curve industry it's not as rigorous like of course you still have to eat healthy people ask oh my gosh can you eat pizzas every day and no like let's be realistic yeah. that's not good for anyone no. but there's still more leeway as to how we can live our lifestyles. And I feel like a lot of curve models I know have very healthy lifestyles, but we also have that balance of knowing when to indulge and knowing when to eat healthy. And I think that's something that I really appreciate um, about the industry. I never feel like I have to be on a strict diet for a particular job or a particular client. Yeah. And I, I love your story in that. And I think I relate and I think so many women will relate to this because I have girls reach out to me about very similar things of they were in the same situation you, you are because you're quite tall. How tall are you, Tash? I'm five, nine and a half. Yeah, so you're quite tall. And I think when you are so tall but you're still like you're considered curvy but you're not, you're considered curvy by your measurements. But if you mm-hmm. were to look at you because you're so tall, you don't look curvy. Right, like with the proportions, exactly. Exactly right. And so, and I've experienced that too with my agency where clients will ring and say, oh, no, she's not a 12, she's an 8. But just by looking at photos, but it's just like, no, I'm definitely mm-hmm. what I say I am. But it's so, like you said, it's so hard to find a happy medium because, like you said, it was a lot more strict back in the day where it's just like you're either skinny or your curve and there's no in between. I think we're seeing sort of a bit more acceptance of just being who you are um, yes. because we need to represent everyone. But I love that you shared that. And I would love to know with your body in particular as well, when you share on social media and things like that, I think curvy women are often really sexualized as opposed to if you were really thin and you're, you know, you, you look more, high fashion I guess how do you feel about that um I hate it honestly I hate it like you know and the thing on top of like being over sexualized I think um curvy women or bigger women were congratulated for just existing in our bodies but it's like why is me being in a bikini why do I need a round of applause for that that's just me 
being myself and accepting my body just because society standards may say oh that's not it doesn't mean I need a round of applause for that like mm. I'm just literally existing and for me it's been difficult um growing up as well because being from Zimbabwe um you know which is in Africa women just embrace their bodies and you know just a larger proportion and so when going back home I remember I went back for the first time when I was like 15 and I was like oh my gosh like I'm not I'm not big like everyone's like my size like this yeah. is regular yeah. you know and so now that I'm older and I'm like my size is actually regular in a lot of places you know so why is it so um groundbreaking and oh, so you know yeah exactly why is it such a big thing that I'm mm. embracing my body Mm. Um, and I understand, I do understand that, you know, historically and in recent times, um, bigger bodies have been vilified, curvy women have been vilified, mm. but what I really want to do is just normalize it. And this really struck out to me because I, I remember last year, this time last year, I was in Las Vegas, um, for a friend's birthday and, um, I decided to just go out for the, to the pool. Everyone was having a nap. So I just laid at the pools in my bikini, just enjoying myself. And then this lady comes up to me, she's like, oh my God. Like, you are so amazing. I'm so proud of you. Like, wow, like, what you're doing is so great. Like, just laying out here and being confident. And I was just like, lady, what are you talking? Like, this, this is not a statement. I'm not making a statement by coming out here and just laying in the sun. You know, this shouldn't be something yeah. that's so groundbreaking. Like, um, let's normalize this. Let's, yeah, let's normalize seeing all different types of bodies at the beach, at the pool, so that you don't have yeah. to come up and say something. Because yeah. I, I felt so... So awkward at that point. But then okay. I asked her to take some photos of me. So I was like, that's <laughs> I was like, okay, so if you think I look good, girl, take some photos. Yeah, do you think I'm friend? And yeah. I think your response to that is great. And like the fact that you're just like, okay, girl, like I'm living, I'm out here living my best life. But I think her intentions and people's intentions are often good and they're trying to mm -hmm. congratulate you like oh, you have rolls or cellulite and this and that and you're putting yourself out there. Like, you're so brave. And yes, it's like, brave. That's the word. That always gets tossed around, brave. And it's just like, honey, like, why can't we just embrace who we are and live our best lives and why can't you just lay out in your bikini and it just be like, yeah, that's like a woman just living her best life instead of being like, oh, my God, you're so brave. Well done. Yeah, like you're making such a statement. I'm so yeah. proud of you. And I do get what you're saying. It is good and, you know, good intentions. But it's like, let's normalize it so yeah. that this doesn't have to be a thing. You don't yeah. have to come up to someone and say congratulations and being confident in yourself. Absolutely. I love that you said that. You have so many good insights. Like, it's so, so important to talk about. And I'd love to know more about, so you're from, originally from Zimbabwe. And when you went, mm -hmm. went back there, what, what are some of your, like, favourite things about your culture and your heritage and, and all of that? Um, I'd say I love the food, for sure. Like, my favourite thing to eat, like, my favourite food ever is my mum's beef stew. Um, the food back home is amazing. I remember going to my grandfather's farm. Um, he grew in mangoes. He had a mango tree. We were eating oh, the mangoes, like, mangoes like apples. It was everything was fresh, yeah. like the bread. I keep people think I'm so weird for saying this, but Zimbabwean bread, like wow, it was. I've never <laughs> had bread or milk that good. Like I don't even okay. drink milk, but I'll drink milk there. Like it was amazing. So I definitely think the food and the people for yeah. sure. There's just like an energy when you go there, and for me. I think going there at 15 was just what I needed. So I remember yeah. it was right after my 15th birthday I went and I was like, I wanted an iPod touch for my birthday. I remember my parents got me 
I thought shuffle and I had some, you know, a little bitch fit, like, oh my God, how could you do this? You're the worst parents ever. I wanted to touch, like, you know, 15 year old, little spoiled 15 year old girl. (laughs) And then I went back home. (laughs) I went back home with you like a month and a half later. And I was like, wow, people have way less than me, Mm. but they complain less. They seem way happier, are way more content. And that just really put a lot of things into perspective for me. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just the spirit of the people. Like people are just happy and content with what they have. As long as they have their family, you know, they have love, they have the basics, food, this and that, they're happy. Yeah. And um, I think that's something that really spoke to me is just you don't need everything in the world to make you happy. It's just a few things that you need that is just going to make you content. And I think at that age, it's like that was the perfect time for me to go and just really get a reality check. Yeah, I love that. I think it's it is so much to do with your mindset and the fact that you're able to to go and experience that is amazing, especially at such a young age for you to sort of have that that reality check where you're just like, wow, like it's not about the iPod shuffle. Like, <laughs> it's just about being so thankful for what we have. I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to everything that's going on in the world at the moment, I mean, COVID is going on and uh, we have the Black Lives Matter movement currently happening and I'm so thankful that you have come on the podcast to chat with me and I'm so appreciative. And for anyone listening, what what are some things that we can do, in your opinion, that are going to see more positive change in our culture and our community and what can, what can we do to support the Black community more when it comes to the modelling industry but just in day-to-day life in general? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll start off with the fashion industry. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest way to make a change in the industry is having people that are in these boardrooms speaking up for black people, mm. you know, asking where is the representation? Because a lot of the times when we've been seeing um, companies are coming out and they're sharing the statistics of their boardrooms and none of them have black people. A lot of them don't have black people. Mm. So if you're in situations like that, ask, where is the representation? Why, you know, you should never be a person that's not black or a person that's not a person of color making decisions that are gonna affect people of color or black people or indigenous people. You need people that have actually lived that experience in these rooms making these collective decisions for their people. Mm. You know, and I think that's something that's super important. Um, and you've had so many incidents where brands come out and they come out with something that's ins- racially insensitive if you had a black person in that room, that would have never gone that far. That would have never even, you know, made it past the boardroom for us to even be talking about. I think that's really important. And um, what I've been seeing recently too, it just came out that, what's that show? Um, oh, oh Big Mouth? Um, oh, I can't Is it Big? Yeah, I think it's Big Mouth where yeah. the, um, a white woman was voicing a black um, character. And she came out and said, this isn't my, this isn't my place. Like this should be voiced by a black woman. And I think more seeing more of that is yes. what we need, yeah. you know? And for me, I I've seen the show. I didn't think it was, I thought it would be a black voice actor, you know? So, and things like that, you don't even think about, but yeah. then again, I'm not behind the scenes in these rooms. I don't know what's going on. So if you are in these rooms, it's imperative that you speak out and seek representation because the ones that want to be represented or need to be represented aren't, you know, aren't in these meetings, aren't in these mm. conferences. So that's the biggest step, I think, when it comes to fashion. I don't even think that just applies to fashion. I think it applies all the board, across all the board when it comes to brands and companies because a lot of these companies do profit off um, 
black people, uh, people of color, indigenous people. So it is important to have that representation up the top. Um, and I also think so when it comes to just on a day-to-day -day basis, um, I think what's important is people just calling out their family members, being like, you know what, that's not appropriate. That's, you know, being able to have these conversations because it starts at home. A lot of these things start from the lower level and work mm -hmm. their way up. You know, mm -hmm. teaching your kids the right history, you know, and calling out your kids, even no matter how young, and just telling them the realities of what it is because black parents have to tell their kids realities of what it is to be black at a young age. Exactly. So, you know, um, I think things like that will be really helpful. Um, sharing black voices, um, making sure you support black brands, black artists, hiring black stylists, black, you know, black models, just, you know, yes. making space for black people in your everyday yes. life. Yes, I love that. It's so beautiful. And I think, like you said, it's so important to start in all those areas, but especially I, I wish we would see more of it in our schools, especially in Australia. Mm. And with we would be taught more about, you know, culture and our land and our people, the original custodians of the land, so that when you're growing up, you're you're more educated. And I think that's where it has to start, you know, in, in schools and like you said, at, at home. And um, I really love that you said that. And I think a problem that we have here in Australia is the the casual racism. And, yes. and I think we hear it and we see it all too often and it's just kind of, you know, no one really says anything or, you know, and it's just like, if you do say anything, it's just like, oh, well, it's just a joke. And it's just like, no, it's so mm -hmm. not okay anymore. And I think, um, do you think that's where we could potentially just, we need to call that out more? Yes, call out your friends, even yeah. if it means you're the, you know, the boring one or the one that can't take a joke. Because yeah. a joke's only a joke if it's funny to everyone. Mm. It's not a joke if the person that it's about is offended. Mm. So, you know, you have, like, that's where it starts. You have to call out your friends. These jokes, it starts as a joke and then it carries out and it, you know, it manifests into something bigger. So you just got to hit it at the, you know, at the, at the bud. Yeah. And I think it's about having that confidence and finding your voice. And it's just like, if you're, you're silent, you're just as bad as the, as the perpetrator. So you have to I know it can be scary, but just think about all the black people and what they're going through. You have to find the confidence to speak up and call it out. So, yeah, I just, yeah it's so important. I'm so glad you said that. And when it comes to confidence and speaking out and things like that, um, what are some of your tips? Because I, I see you on, online and you look so always so regal and confident. I'm sure you <laughs> go through your own your own struggles and things like that. But you, you are a very confident and bubbly and beautiful person. What are your tips for modeling your confidence and bringing your confidence into, into everyday life and, and coming on the podcast? Because I, I know it's not easy to be able to, you know, <laughs> come on here and chat sometimes, but you've done it so mm -hmm. eloquently and I thank you for it. So what are your confidence mm -hmm. tips? Um, I would say before I say anything else, it's definitely taken me a while to get this confidence within myself and it is a journey um but my biggest confidence tips i would say is just be yourself that's really it just no one else is like you um so just embrace your true self and and that's the thing too i think for a long time i was kind of i used to second guess myself a lot and be like oh should i say this or should i speak out on this i remember the first time i actually really spoke out on something um was in australia and i was 
it was my first campaign that I'd gotten and it was, um, I'd seen it myself in store. And I was like, this is so exciting, but I also want to use this moment to speak out on how this is also a kind of a sad moment in a sense, because it's the first time that I, have, having grown up majority of my life in Australia, have seen um, someone that looks like me. I know I'm not the only person that looks like me that lives in Australia, so I know a lot of other people would relate. And so I was kind of second guessing myself as to whether should I share this or should I just only embrace the moment and just make it a happy post. But I decided, you know what, I want to use my voice and be confident and stand on what I what I believe in. And I think when you're confident in what you're saying and you believe in what you're saying, you're going to get that support. And I think that's what a lot of people are nervous about is, oh, how are people going to react or how is it going to take it? How, how is um, society going to take it? But at the end of the day, I don't really think that really matters because as long as you're speaking your truth and you're sharing your experience, that's all you could do. And how it's received, that's not your your problem. You know, just as long as you're being authentic. And I think when I realized that, that's when I really just became 10 times more confident because, like, I'm being my true self. I'm speaking my truth. Um, and I think it's just, yeah, just you have to, I guess, embrace your personality or who you are. Um, don't allow yourself to be swayed um, by opinions. Stand tall on what you believe in and stand proud on what you believe in. Um, and I think confidence also comes from, I think for me too, I just have a, a great support system. My family is super amazing, super supportive. I have great friends. Um, I have a really supportive boyfriend. So I have like a great team around me. Like my agents are amazing too. So I just have people that reinforce confidence in yeah. me and you know that support me and that, that push me and I think that's so so important yeah um, because with people yes that allow you to be your true self and be confident and share your voice I love that and I love that you said because I think it can be really scary for men and women but women who want to speak up on things on social media and I know for me in particular when I was wanting to share, you know, you know, roles or cellulite, all these things on social media, but you, you, I was so fearful of like, oh, what if a client was to see this and they think I'm not a good model or like what are my old friends from school going to think and silly things that hold you back from being yes. yourself. Yeah. And I love that you said once you push through that, you became 10 times more confident because you realise that it's more important to just say your truth and stand in who you yes. are. Yes. And what I realised after that post, I had so many people messaging me and that was probably the most engaging post I'd ever had on my Instagram at that point. People were like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad you said this. Like, wow, I could really relate. And it wasn't just the thing of um, women in Australia that were messaging me. It was a lot of women that lived, that were black minorities or even people of color minorities in their countries being like, yes, I feel what you're talking about. And I was like, wow, I'm so glad I shared this because I don't know if you needed to hear what I had to say. Yes. And just hearing that feedback is like, wow, I'm, I'm so grateful and happy that I shared my voice because um, it has an impact. Absolutely. You're making so you don't know who's going to need to, who needs to hear your voice until you, you speak. Absolutely. I love that. I love you and I love what you're doing. Um, I know I'm going to get questions on this. So I'm going to ask the professional who's a super successful model in New York. If anyone wanted to get into the modeling industry and do what you're doing and is inspired by you, what advice would you give them to sort of break into the modeling industry or have the confidence to do whatever it is they want to do in life? Um. I say if you want to get into modeling, well, how I got into modeling is I got um, 
Polaroids. Like, a lot of people kept saying, you should model, you should model. So I was like, okay. So, um, okay, that's in my arm. Yes, fine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and so what I did is I took Polaroids and I sent them through to BGM at the time um, and just went from there. But I, I must say, people, anyone who does want to become a model, have to realize it's a pretty tough industry. You're going to have to face rejection. You can't take it personally. And for me, I was, um, I sent my Polaroids to a number of agencies for a number of years. But I was trying. I was like, don't, don't let, don't just look at my Instagram and see me working and think that it just came easy. Like I was yeah. pushing, like yeah. from high school, like I started at 15. I didn't move to New York until I was what, 21 or so. Mm. So for all those years, I kept pushing and pushing until I got to my goal. So, you know, it's not like that for, for everyone. Some people are so lucky their first agency catapults them to the top. Yeah. But you have to be willing to put in the work. You have to, you know, know that there are going to be no's. But you have to overcome that and keep pushing. If you really want it, just keep going. It's a price for everything. Just keep going. And I remember there were so many times I was like, oh, agencies just keep saying, no, maybe I shouldn't be a model. Maybe I am too small or maybe I just don't have the look. But I kept pushing and, and here I am, you know, I took no's. I, I didn't take no's actually. That's why I'm here. I kept yeah. being like, no, nope, I know I have it. Yes. And um, I think also was super important too, which I didn't realize. And I think this is part of the reason that maybe at the beginning I kept getting so many no's is I was sending um, full face makeup Polaroids with my hair all done up. And no, that's not what agents want. They just yeah. want your bare face. They just want to see your beautiful face, um, jeans, a top heels that's it um just keep it simple yeah exactly and when I did when I got that formula that started to work for me and I realized okay this is it so and that goes again too to being just authentic your authentic self that's what agents really want to see and especially in the curve industry um it's all about it's not all about but personality does play a big role in it so just be who you are and just come as you are really yeah, perfect. That's the perfect advice. I love that. I want to thank you again, Tash, so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. You are so welcome. Is there anything else you wanted to say before we sort of close out? I want to say is just I'm just hoping. I have a lot of hope for the Australian industry. I'm seeing a lot of movement. And I'm so grateful and happy to be on this podcast, you know, to get the conversation started. Um, I'm seeing even um, with agents, agencies, models, everyone's now more proactive and I hope it's not just a phase I hope it's you know a long a long time term thing um, because like I was saying before when you walk outside in Australia you see all different types of people so that's how what it should be in the media that's how you know that's that's what I want to see I, I know I'm not the only one that wants to see this absolutely. so let's make it happen absolutely we want everlasting change we don't want this to yes. just be a trend or a hashtag or anything this like is that. yes this is more than that because black lives aren't just a trend black lives aren't just a hashtag there's going to be black lives people of color lives indigenous lives after all of the you know the cloud and and the media hype is gone so that's all I have to say on that like you just got to keep pushing it's not over that's what i'm going to say it's not over just because you know and as well on social media there's not as many posts now but still it doesn't mean the fight is over i love that thank you so much for using your voice tash where can people find you yeah so you can find me on instagram at tash Nobert. oh yeah i want to say this too my last name is Nobert. everyone always people are always asking me is that really my last name yes it is it's zimbabwean so yes yeah, t-a-s-h-n-c-u-b-e 
Um, yes, you'll find me on Instagram. And yeah. Definitely go follow Tash. She is so beautiful and inspiring and smart. And I'm so grateful to have had you on. Your link will be down in the show notes so people can find you there. And thank you so much, Tash, for coming on the podcast. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast chat. I hope you got a lot of value from this one. I know I certainly did. As we said, you can find Tash down in the show notes below. I will have a link to her Instagram page. I will also have some links down there to the National Justice Project, which is combining strategic legal action with effective advocacy and communication to help advance human rights and social justice in Australia. I will also have a link to the Black Lives Matter Foundation, which is a global organization in the US, UK and Canada, whose mission is to eradicate white supremacy and build local power to intervene in violence inflicted on black communities by the state and vigilantes. So please go and check those out. They really, really need your support. So if you can donate, please do. Please, as Tash said, Let's amplify black voices wherever we can, share black stories and support businesses, brands, all of the things that Tash said in this podcast episode. Again, I'm so grateful to have spoken to Tash and to have a beautiful friend in her. So go and check her out, send her my love. And if you want more from me or you would like to let me know what you want to hear on the podcast, you can find me at bybrooklindsay on Instagram or bybrooklindsay.com. I hope you guys are having a beautiful day and I will speak to you in the next podcast episode. Bye guys.